Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is 8 to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Hello. Hello. You hear that music and you know that it's time for the Creative Pep Talk podcast. And I am the person who does the podcast, Andy J. Miller. I'm a graphic illustrator and I started this podcast to help other creative people find their thing um, and, and pep them up, frankly, to get people excited about what they're doing, you know, I find it that um, as an artist, I'm the type of artist that, um, if I, you know, every, I find myself getting down often or getting fed up with the process or getting depressed about, uh, you know, my work or whatever. And, you know, so I, I have my own ways of getting pepped up and I just thought I would put something out there into the world, into my, uh, the industry I love to help uh, pep other people up and kind of pass that on. Um, And remember also you can find this online at www.illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk, awesome illustration website. Go check that out. So today what we're talking about is how to stand out. Now, you know what? I'll tell you what's really been on my mind is this idea of pessimism. You know, I feel like every industry, I think the deeper you go into any industry, I think you're going to find that pessimism that's lurking around every corner. And the longer you're in an industry, the more in tune you are with pessimism. And I think there's all kinds of reasons. I think one of the reasons is that things change. And whenever things change, uh, you you gain something, but you also lose something. And I think, you know, I think in some ways the pessimism is just a grieving process for things that you lose. But I think the other side of it is, is that uh, people get, um, you know, when I hear people getting aggravated about how many how many artists are out there, how much, how busy the internet is, how things change, how you can't get this price anymore, all that stuff. When I hear people say that, I feel like they're communicating like I'm not brave enough for the challenge. Like I'm not. And sometimes there's things that need to be complained about, that need fixed, that need to be talked about. But I feel like th- that instead of looking out and thinking. Uh, it's totally, uh, it, it looks terrible out there. I'm not going out there. Instead of thinking that, thinking, 
this is a challenge that I am up for. And I think one of the biggest challenges, if you're a, a commercial artist of any kind, is standing out from the crowd. You know, sometimes if you go into like Pinterest or something or, or whatever and you look out into the abyss of the internet and you just get a sense for how much art and design and illustration is out there, it can be really overwhelming and it can make you want to give up, especially when there's so much good stuff out there. And I think that um, instead of wanting to give up, seeing it as how do I stand out from the crowd? How do I make my voice heard among all of this shouting? You know, uh, I did something I hate doing actually um, last uh, last semester with my students. I made them do like uh, one of these, uh, you know, I don't know, experiment, like thought experiment things that I hate when public speakers do stuff like this. But um, I just, I felt like it was, there's something to it, okay? And so I had all of them shout at the top of their lungs and then I much quieter than anybody else uh, went they were all saying ah, and shouting and I did a uh, e like much quieter than anybody else but my voice was the voice that was heard and it was just the point of you know you've got to do something different you can't just get noisier you can't just get you know i think when we want to um stand out or we're we're trying to um stake our claim in the industry often you know the the laziest thing to do is just to shout louder it's just to make more stuff it's just to you know tweet about your work more, you know, send more emails out or just, just pure, like, you know, it's that hard work versus working smarter. You know, um, my brother was a troublemaker, my older brother in high school. And when we were in these, um, uh, assemblies, everybody would be clapping or shouting or whatever, you know, and he would make some really weird, obnoxious noise. And through, even though you could barely hear anything, Throughout the whole gym, you could hear him making this stupid noise. And I just thought, like, standing out in your industry is so much about being smart and clever and being up for the challenge. And so that is what today is about. You know, I think that um, for me, uh, this looked like finding things that I could do that would differentiate me from the competition. And so I'm just going to give you seven of those things today and hopefully some of them will resonate with you and uh, help you to stick out from uh, your competition. All right, number one, get personal. You know, I think so often um, we, we, we want to believe, right? We want to believe that art or, or whatever industry is about pure merit. And although I don't think you can truly have a successful career without being really good at what you do, I think it's not a meritocracy. It's not purely based on how good your work is. You know, I think so much about uh, art and illustration and design is about relationships. Are you fun to work with? Do you seem like a human? Do you seem like a person? You know, I feel like business is often just about relationships. And I think so often 
you know, uh, I'm reminded of this talk by Frank Chimero, Chimero. I can never remember. I think even by his own admission, he says people in his family say his last name differently. But he has a talk called The Shape of Design, and he goes into this idea that um, he says that being squishy is actually better than being slick. And that, and I think even on the internet, he made this point of like everything is so slick. Like everybody's just trying to make a portfolio website that just looks a little bit nicer than the next person or everybody's trying to make that work that just looks a little bit better drawn or a little bit like slicker or nicer or whatever. And I think that, that that's actually just like that shouting match where you just try to get louder. And I think the best thing that you can do is have be squishy, be human, get personal with what you do. You know, I think uh, one of the things that really helped me was looking deep within what are my interests, what are my passions, and start making work about that. So I started making work about dreams and science, and I loved, you know, things that were anthropomorphized that were like inanimate objects and uh, – Foliage and, 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 okay, foliage, you know, uh, plants and stuff, drawing plants, that's not the most original thing. But when you mix it with the other things, and we're going to get to that a little bit later about contradictions or mixing, mashing up different things, it became more original. And uh, I heard this quote um, in a, on – James Victoria did a lecture for the Do Lectures. You can go check that out online. And it's, um, it's, a, it's actually – he quotes James Joyce, the writer, and he says that in the particular lies the universal. And I think that is so true. And I think it's like the idea is that in the details, if you get really, really specific about your personal details, there's going to be something in that specificity that's actually universal. And I think – one of the best examples I've ever heard of this is um, my favorite album probably from last year was this album called Benji by Sun Kill Moon. And uh, I warn you before you listen to it, it's pretty raw and, um, and, and it's really sad. So be, be warned. But what is amazing about that album is that it is so uh, chock full of random – specific details like his his uh, dad's girlfriend getting mad because his dad flirts with the girls that are and he says girls the girls that live or that work at Panera Bread or he talks about how his sister is now dating a deer hunter and she's getting used to venison and I just and honestly it's like you would think that that would not work like getting so specific that you're talking about KFC and Panera bread and sports bars and all that but it's like folk music and it is so powerful it is one of the most powerful albums I've ever heard and it's not and it's funny too because of the specificity but in those details you just it resonates like you're like yes I know this story like I even though it's different like my dad doesn't have the same experience I don't have the same experience with my dad that he did but he gets these he tells these really specific stories about death and life and relationships and within that specificness there's these deep emotions and relationships that you can relate to. And so I feel like often we're so worried about uh, 
connecting with the masses that we forget that we need to just be ourselves. And if you trust, even if those, even those, especially your obscure interests, especially the, the things that make you really unique, I think pushing that, like, uh, I talk a lot about boys to men. I, I listen to boys to men a little bit. I grew up listening to them. You know, I went through a period of time in college where I rejected my 90s R&B roots. And I, you know, they might not have the most merit as music. Uh, but, you know, I, I started talking about that and I put it in my uh, little talk I did in Icon. Partly because I just thought, what other illustrator listens to boys to men, Right. And as, even if it's a goofy thing and it was more like a confession than a something I was like proud of, I felt like this is just some, something about me and I just trust being honest with who I am. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's important to get personal. And in that personal details, you're going to find ways of connecting. And the other thing that happens is that as you like, like that boys to men thing, that's, that makes me stand out as someone, even in a stupid way that makes me stand out from other illustrators. And I think it's just like that stupid noise that cuts through all the yelling. Like that's what that is. That's what the idea of that is. And so I think it's important to get personal. And I think the other thing that happens from that is if there's ever an editorial illustration about boys to men, they're coming to me. Because it's all over online. And if there, you know, I've had a ton of people come to me for illustrations about dreams. You know, I made a dream journal with Chronicle Books. I talk about my dreams all the time. It's something that's a really big influence on me. And I've had people come to me with work about dreams. Okay, so number one was get personal. Number two was look for contradictions. Now, I think one of the things that you find when you start talking to students or young people or people that are trying to work through finding their voice, finding their thing in creativity, finding their you know sword in the stone of creativity, their one thing that they want to do, the, one of the biggest things that you run into is this idea that they have this eclectic taste, they have this... Um, you know, all these seemingly contradictory things about them. You know, I feel like – I feel like actually that it's within these seemingly contradictory things that we find our uniqueness and our creative voice. You know, I think it's like if you're super into um, – you know, I was talking to um, my one of my best buddies, uh, Andrew Nyer recently. And he was, you know, I, I pointed out that the fact that he has this, uh, taste for kind of stupid comedy, um, you know, that I like to, you know, gr we grew up on like dumb and dumber and Ace Ventura and all that stuff. And we have that taste for that, but then he also loves that modernism, minimalism, uh, Massimo Vignelli like design. And actually his products have that combination of like this, the stupid and the clever, like mixed together. And I think that that's what makes his products unique and that's what makes him stand out from the crowd. And so I think that it's those places where you feel like I don't know how to marry these two tastes or interests or parts of myself. Those are the places where you need to force combinations. And for me, what that looked like was I've got this interest in like 
I always go back to this. It's just the most obvious one, which is Fraggles. I got this interest in Fraggle Rock, right? This thing about that that speaks to me. And on the other side, I have this interest of like Alexander Gerard, like mid-century illustration that's like uh, graphic and clean. And on the other side, I'm li- I'm interested in these like stories that are narrative and dreamy and weird and 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 kind of like surreal and. One of the things that really helped me was like going into a piece of work, like personal work, where I'm going to intentionally take these two things that seem clashing and contradictory in a lot of ways, and I'm going to force them down on a page together. And there was so much discovery in that moment when I took – when I told my brain to stop thinking that these things were completely disconnected and I'm going to connect them. I'm going to make them connect. You know, some people believe that creativity is literally just the art of taking two unrelated things and smashing them together. And I think if you look out into the world, you know, inventions are often, they're not things that came from nowhere. It's like the iPhone or the iPad. Like those aren't things that came from nowhere. That was about taking a phone and then computer technology and mashing them together. And the iPad, which sold crazy amount of uh, products, was literally taking the iPhone and the laptop and just mashing them together. And I even look at a sticky note. It's like taking glue and a little piece of paper and just mashing them together. And I think that it's in that same way that one of the best ways to stick out is to take these things that are seemingly unrelated, even that duality of your the different parts of your personality, the, di- the parts that seem like they don't go together and finding the place in between and why, because when you connect things that are, seem unrelated, there's like a delight and a surprise that happens from that. And that cuts through all the noise. All right. So that's number two. Look for the contradictions. Look, look, don't run away from the contradictions. Mash up the contradictions in your life and in your, in your personality and your taste. Number three, bring something from another industry. This podcast actually is that exactly. It's one of the ways that I wanted to like set myself apart. I listen to a, a, an insane amount of podcasts. I'm so interested in them. I've listened to a crazy amount of talks online and in person. I love lectures. I love um, podcasts. I love talk radio. I just love that stuff. And I just, uh, you know, I've soaked up so much of that from marketing industry, from, uh, you know, spiritual venues and, 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 and writers and all that stuff. And I've soaked up all of that. And I love that stuff so much. And I noticed really that there wasn't really any podcast, and I'm, you know, I was crazy for podcasts, any podcasts delivering the type of information that um, is common in a lot of other industries. And so I took that and I brought it over. The first time I was kind of introduced to this concept was uh, through a guy called Nate Williams. Um, if you want to check his uh, workout, I think it's in the number eight w.com. And, uh, he's a, an illustrator, um, who's always been really helpful to me. Um, at some point he, uh, let me call him on the phone and we talked a bunch this was a few years ago and we were just talking about things that, um, I was asking him for feedback to give me feedback on my portfolio and the work that I was doing. And he said that, uh, 
he said that one thing you need to do is like figure out things that nobody's doing in our industry that are common in other industries. You know, whether it's like if nobody's going to trade shows, go to a trade show. Bring, you know, find a trade show that that what you do is relevant, but nobody from your industry is showing up. Uh, you know, and that's kind of like something that I've been trying to recently do with like kids books is I saw that a lot of my peers weren't at the time, at least going to kids books. And I felt like I could have an, an uh, I could take an original thing to a different industry. So it works vice versa. You know, I think a good example of this, there's a guy called, uh, John Maynard Keynes, I think his name is. Um, and he, uh, was, a an economist and economists traditionally dealt with money, the world of money. And he thought we could take these same principles of, uh, of, you know, studying the incentives and how money works and we could apply them to everything else in life. And I think originally, I think when you step out there and it's uncomfortable, cause once you, if you stand out from the crowd, it's not comfortable. We're going to get to that in a minute, but when you do that, it's not comfortable. It's often not, you know, um, received well by everybody. You know, there's downsides to it. I feel like making this podcast, there's all kinds of downsides to me saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spread some knowledge throughout the creative world. You know, there's all kinds of downsides for me for that. But there's all kinds of awesome things by t- by leaping out into an area that's unknown. And I, so this John Maynard Keynes, he stepped out of the traditional world of economics and he founded the idea of macroeconomics. And if you've heard of that book, Freakonomics, that's all macroeconomics. It's basically the study of incentives outside of the money world. And actually, that those studies have led to big changes in the world for good. And it was taking that thing from one industry and moving it to another industry. And I think that that's so good. So one of the things that you can do is take notice to the other industries that you're a part of or that you, um, you're interested in or you know something about. Maybe, you, maybe you're someone who came from a different industry. You know, there's a lot of people that later on go into commercial art that started a career in finance or uh, accounting or marketing or uh, engineering or whatever. Take the lessons that you learn from those places. Take them for wherever you can get them and bring them here. Bring them into our industry. What is it about our industry that's – what are we missing, you know? Um, that's I think there's that's a really great way to stand out from the crowd. All right. Number four, develop a new skill or process. So when I was uh, in college, um, and actually before college, you know, I've always liked drawn line drawing. And um, when I was in college, early on, I was doing these really busy uh, line drawings, and you know, patterns and, and just kind of mindless, like drawing of, uh, of lines and shapes and, um, patterns and all that. And, um, this episode is supported by in the making an original podcast brought to you by Adobe express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your creative cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In the Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. 
I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In the Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In the Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AndyJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. You know, I didn't really actually know anybody else that was doing that. Uh, you know, there's maybe just like a few people and, and, and they were, um, just kind of random and, and I was doing that. I was so obsessed with it. And then closer to when I graduated, I started, uh, noticing that it was this line drawing pattern stuff was starting to be, uh, starting to grow. And actually there was some books coming out and, and, I, and when I, I got those books and I was like kind of so pumped, like this thing that I was into doing was, there was starting to be a culture around it. And it was like really fun and exciting. And I was really passionate about it. And I loved doing the work. Um, but I would say like maybe two years after college, I just felt like I looked around and it was just becoming this ubiquitous thing. It was becoming this oversaturated thing. And I was looking at my peers and I was just thinking like, I could draw busier, I could draw crazier, I could draw better, I could do all of the obvious things you could do. Just like that, it's obvious, you could try to just shout louder. But I ran across some art that was created with a Wacom tablet. And at the time, I didn't feel like I had any peers that were creating on that. There were tons of illustrators that were, but in my own little part of the industry, I didn't feel like anybody else was using that tool um, that I knew of. And so I decided I bought one and I made a clean switch. And I don't know if I necessarily recommend that because I went through an ugly phase with that work. There was still some really cool stuff that happened, but it was kind of, you know, it was a little bit rough early on. And, and I, and I made that switch and I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I felt like, you know, people were asking me questions like, how was I making the work that I was making? And what, you know, what was I doing differently? And, And I feel like for a period of time at least that learning that new skill and having a completely new process and I was approaching my work in in some ways, very similar way, really helped me stand out. And I felt like it gave my career a big boost. And so I think sometimes it's about looking around and developing a skill that you see none of your peers developing. Uh, 
reminds me of uh, Shaq. You know, uh, Shaq, at some point in his career, you know, he, he was dominant down in the paint. That's something that sports people say, I think. And he was dominant down there, getting rebounds, smashing people, layups, all that jazz. And, and instead of just working on that stuff and trying to get better and better and yell louder, he at some point started getting obsessed with practicing, uh, practicing his uh, free throws until he got really, really good at that. And that was a way that he expanded his thing and he got better than his competition by focusing on developing a new skill. You know, I think about this guy, uh, Kyle Webster. I was uh, lucky enough to meet him at Icon last year. Super nice guy. Um, and you probably know him. He makes uh, Photoshop brushes and he's also an illustrator. I think most people first find out about him through his skill of developing really good Photoshop brushes. But I also think that that, in turn, just by getting his name out there from that differentiation, he gets a lot of illustration work by people knowing about him for his brushes. And I think that that's a really good example of developing an auxiliary on the side skill or a new skill or a new process that you don't other see, see other people doing. Instead of just trying to get better at your process, trying something completely different. All right. Number five. So, so number four was develop a new skill or process. Number five is walk a straight line. Walk a straight line. People get blown away by someone walking a straight line for a long period of time. It just doesn't happen. Like someone committing to something and digging deep, people take notice of that. Even the most ordinary thing in the world, if you commit to it and you do it hard enough and long enough, people will watch. And I'm reminded of uh, Forrest Gump, this stupid idea of he just starts running and he keeps running and he's running and he, he just never stops running. He runs back from coast to coast or whatever. And he, and, he, and he gets the whole nation's attention from just running. Why? Because he just ran in a straight line long enough. I have a friend, I've talked about him on the podcast, uh, that I um, had in the UK, one of my favorite people. He's, he gives great man hugs. His name is uh, Jeff Bowman. You know, when we graduated, I think we both ran into different problems, as you do, I think, when you graduate. And we're both trying to figure out how do we differentiate what we do? How do we reinvent what we do? How do we get – how do we just breathe new life and find our path, you know? Uh, and one of the things he did is he started to focus on his love for the outdoors and nature. And um, <clears throat> I mean I didn't cognitively think this, but I remember thinking like, yeah, nature's awesome. Like I love nature. I like drawing – Plants and animals and stuff like that. Like I'm totally into nature too. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'm glad you're into nature, man. That's cool. And uh, it didn't really strike me as this like super original thing at the time because I liked it. Everybody liked it, you know. Um, but then he would do these long trips with uh, backpacking and uh, and climbing mountains and all this stuff. And I was like, man, no, Jeff really likes this. Like this is really a thing. And next thing I know, he was living in Norway for uh, a year, you know, doing snowboarding and living in the cabin and, uh, you know, 
being obsessed with this nature and then eventually going on retreats about nature and then making a book for Gestalten, a published book called uh, – what's it called? The Outsiders uh, about outside and out, new outdoor living and like he, he made a whole giant book about it and he's just kept – walking that line. He's making another book. He's still doing trips. He's still doing workshops. He's still drawing and making art about nature that he loves. And loving nature is one thing. Loving to go on a run, that's one thing. It's not something people pay attention to because it's not that uncommon. But once you run far enough, long enough in the straight line, people start to take notice of that. So for me, right, I created a daily drawing project called Nod. And, um, you know, notes on Tumblr may may be the most meaningless thing in the world. I don't know. Probably. But just for the sake of the argument, let's just talk about that for a minute. I started drawing uh, these daily characters uh, every weekday, and I was going to do it for a year. And I'd post them onto – you can find them on my website uh, if you want to see that. So I started posting these characters every weekday for a year. And uh, I would name them and I'd write a little thing about them. I went back to look through it so I could show prove a point to my students. You know, I did it so I could differentiate myself because it was a passion. It was something I knew I could commit to because I loved it. I really, really loved this this idea of Nod, this idea of this world with these thousands of characters that are all different but also really simple. Um, I love this idea of like how can I take a take – just change little things about these simple shapes and give them life and give and, and differentiate them. Like how much can I – how little can I change and make an original character from character to character? Uh, I loved all these ideas and I felt like I could play with this idea for the rest of my life and, I, and I'm still playing with this idea. Um, but I started off, right, and I'm drawing these pictures and I would say, you know, the first image, first character, I got like 17 notes. The next one I got two, the next one I got zero, then one, then three, then zero, zero, four, seven, zero, fifteen, zero, two, zero. And this keeps going and going and going. So that's April. And then in February, the next year, it finally gets picked up on Tumblr radar. Funnily enough, one of my least favorite characters, of course, it always happens like that. One of my least favorite characters gets picked up by Tumblr radar and gets and I get five thousand notes on that stupid character. His name was Squonky. You can go look him up. And uh, I get a surge of followers and I get a bunch more interaction. and And I don't know exactly what came from that, but I did get noticed. The project got noticed. It stood out from the crowd. Why? Because I just kept walking that straight line. I'm not even sure it was about quantity. It was just about commitment. And I think it's one of those things where if you just like stop in your tracks and you ask yourself, what do I have in common with my six-year-old self? Whatever I'm passionate about now that I was passionate about when I was six, six years old, I'm probably going to be passionate about it in six months. Start obviously walking that direction with your work. It's an investment and it takes time. When you leave your town running as Gump – People are probably not going to notice. Maybe one or two people noticed. When you get to the other side of the country and you're still running, people will start to pay attention. And I don't think it's longevity. I think it's commitment 
and an and intention of walking in a straight line. That's number five, walk in a straight line. Number six, number six, fight the fear. I think that it's proven that as far as evolution is concerned, deep within our DNA, we're supposed to fit in with the tribe, with the pack, with the species. We're supposed to fit in. We're supposed to not be different. We're not supposed to. Uh, and I think it causes us to have this part of our brain, the little animal part of our brain, the monkey part of our brain that says, don't stick out from the pack. Because if you do that, you're going to be the one that gets attacked by a saber toothed tiger. If you do that, you're going to be ridiculed and ostracized. And I think that we still have that thing in us that says, do not stand out from the pack, right? So even your best students, if you're a teacher, even your best students, when it says, when you say, who wants to present their presentation first, even your best students look away. Yeah, there's exceptions to the rules, but almost everybody looks down and tries not to make eye contact with the teacher, right? Don't stand out. And I feel like if you're feeling that fear, that that is the number one sign that you need to go do it. I feel like with this podcast, it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. It's one of the best ways that I've ever differentiated what I've de- what I do. And it was really, really scary. It still is scary just to know that I've got this set of recordings out there that people can throw on anytime they'd like and ridicule me if they want to, you know? And I think that it's, I feel like that this is, this fear of standing out is one of the things that holds you back the most. So if there's something in the back of your mind that you've been thinking about doing, but you're unsure because nobody else is doing it, you need to go ahead and do it. And some people won't like it, but some people really will and they'll notice it. Doing something that nobody else doing is very scary, but it's the only way that you get noticed. It's the only way that you stand out from the crowd. Drawing insanely better than the next guy is really easy as far as emotionals, um, emotions go. Like it doesn't take any courage to draw better than the next guy. It does take courage to draw something totally different than, than what all the rest of the, your peers are doing. So when you feel that fear, instead of running the opposite way and running back to the crowd and, and getting back into that pack mentality, when you feel that fear, follow it and push it and keep going. All right. So number six is fight the fear. Number seven, the last one, is be the best. Now that sounds like uh, yell louder. But what I mean is be the best at something tiny. Something tiny. Define what that thing you think you could be better at than anybody else in the world. Find that thing. For me, what I'm trying to be the best at is taking simple shapes and making them feel like so much more. 
I'm so that comes from this deep interest in the parts of life that make you feel like there's more to life than what you see. And I love this idea that I could take a circle and two rudimentary legs and arms and eyes and some big chunky eyebrows and make it feel like something you've never seen before and make it feel like it's alive. I love that. I love that idea. And you know what? Maybe I'm not the best in the world. Maybe I never will be. But I'll settle for the Kobe Bryant of making circles with legs that feel like they're people or feel like they're alive. I'll settle for Kobe Bryant. Kyle Webster is the best at making Photoshop brushes. That's a – in some ways that's a big thing. But in the scheme of the history, it's not – the most giant thing. And I'm not undermining it. I'm just saying that's something he could be the best in the world about. You know, one of the people that we always talk about, you hear about her all the time, and she's actually, she's really super great, is Jessica Hish. And she is the best at making pretty, uh, kind of traditionally feminine uh, vector lettering. And that's the little thing that she's carved out. I think Aaron Draplin, he's the best at making that industrial, fat, chunky logos. What is it that you could be the best at and then pour all the time and energy? I feel like so much about standing out is about committing to something. Like people notice when when someone just keeps going. And I think I said this at the last uh, bit of the last podcast, which was at some point in my career – Early on when I was struggling and I felt like people were you know, trying to keep me out and all that stuff, there's something in me that said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to keep doing this. And I think that more than anything else is like a guarantee of getting noticed. It's just saying deep within you, you're going to keep going and find things that you're willing to commit to. Because people start paying attention when it's not just talk, when it's not just you know the daily internet chatter of look at he threw this thing up and that no oh, look at this kind of cool image that goes away so quickly and it's just adding to the chatter and the noise. But if someone just takes a walk and they go deliberately down that path for long enough, people are going to pay attention. I think uh, Lisa Condon is such a good example of someone who is so good at committing to somebody, something and walking that straight line and, and being the best at one small thing until people take notice. You know, lots of people put up quotes, hand-drawn quotes of famous, you know, famous inspiring quotes. But she did it for a year and she did it passionately and she did it authentically and you believed it. And it eventually turns into a book, of course, because – She's so good at committing that she can churn out these awesome books over and over. It makes me think of Gordon Ramsay, right? Gordon Ramsay, uh, one of my favorite all-time shows was Kitchen Nightmares, the British edition. Because the American was a little bit too cheesy for me and too too dramatic. But he'd always go in there and he'd find these restaurants and their, and their menus were 15 pages long and they were giant books of menus. And he'd say – he'd try everything on the menu and he'd say, this dish right here – this dish is amazing. This could be the best dish in the world of this one little thing. Get rid of everything else and make your restaurant about this dish and everything supporting this. Have a one-page menu. And I think as a creative, that's what you got to think of. How do you have your one-page menu? What's your shining star thing? What can you do better than anybody? And if you can't do it better than anybody now, what's the thing that your skills are naturally gifted to push towards? 
and be, and, and, and you think you have the potential to be better at that thing than anybody else. Okay. So I'm just going to go over this real quick. Just a little recap. We had number one, get personal. That James Joyce quote in the particular lies the universal. Get personal with your work. Number two, look for the contradictions. Mine are Fraggles and Alexander Gerard. Instead of running away from that eclectic taste, mash it up. Do the girl talk thing, right? Number three, bring something from another industry, something that works in another industry and bring it to yours, something that is not currently going on. Number four, develop a new skill or process. Instead of just trying to get better at the process that everybody else is doing, make up a new process. Bring a new tool into the works. Do something that nobody else is doing. Learn a skill that none of your peers have. Number five, walk a straight line. Do the gump thing. Just pick a direction that you feel passionate about and push towards it. Number six, fight the fear. Standing out from the pack is scary, but it's the only way that you end up getting noticed and standing out. Standing out, it's what you want, but at the same time, it's not what you want. It's hard. Number seven, the last one, is be the best at something tiny. What's the tiny thing that you, could, you think you could do better than anyone and commit to being the best at that thing? All right, that's it. That's another podcast. I super love doing it. I'm, I'm really glad uh, that you guys are all really appreciating it and sending me all these messages and all this. And I'm sorry I'm not super fast at getting back at that. I'm kind of overwhelmed by sheer amount, but I love hearing from you. I love hearing your guys' stories. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And you know what? When it comes to standing out, I feel like I think about these artists like Nick Drake, who was this amazing musician. And in his own time, he didn't, uh, you know, people didn't really recognize his work. And sometimes I, you know, it makes me really sad to think that there are illustrators out there who are not reaching their potential because they're not standing out from the crowd. They're not getting noticed, even though their work is amazing and even though they're super talented. And so I think um, whether you like it or not, this industry is not completely based on merit. And you've got to go out there and find ways of differentiating yourself from other people. Okay, so I really appreciate it. All those people that have bought the poster, um, the Do Not Be Afraid poster on my website, I really appreciate it. Um, I've had some people actually contact me and ask for a way to donate to the podcast and, and donate to me doing this. And if you're one of those people, you can go to my website and click my blog link or the podcast link. And on the sidebar, there's a donate button. You can donate with PayPal or credit card or whatever. If that's not you, don't worry about it. But, you know, for me, it's like I spend about half a day or more doing this a week. And I never started it to make money. But, uh, I'm, you know, I'm having to juggle more things. And I'm having to figure out how to make it work. And I want to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it regardless of if I can justify it financially, but if I can, that just makes it an easier decision for me. I'd like to actually grow the show, spend more time uh, writing and, and and figuring out ways of making it better. Um, but right now, I'm kind of at my max. So I really appreciate those who have reached out and said that they want to figure out ways of supporting the show that maybe aren't into the poster. Um, and I'm I'm thinking of different ways of uh, 
helping to justify it financially. So that's you. Go check it out. If it's not you and that's not your thing, don't worry about it. Um, I really appreciate all this. If you want to find the show, you can find it on illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Uh, that's a great website for finding inspiration, uh, for illustration and, uh, go check that out. Um, I think that's about it. I'm trying to do these every Thursday, so you can try to look out for them, uh, um, every Thursday. And if you, oh, I got one more thing. So I created a survey for the podcast just to get some feedback about general stuff. There's some really stupid questions in there too. It's only seven questions long. If you wouldn't mind and you want to do that, go to my website, go to the blog. The latest post has a link um, to the survey. You can go answer some questions and uh, help me make the show better and more effective for you. Uh, All right. Until next week, stay pepped. Keep making awesome stuff. I will talk to you then. Goodbye.